go just as you you're going to look around like I am and you're going to say wow look at God's bringing a lot of people around here these days and I'm not a numbers driven guy I, I get excited like you do and then I'm like oh more responsibility yeah that's a part of it as well but it's great and we're doing everything we can to get to know these uh, new folks and connect them and whatnot and I just encourage you when you hear about these opportunities like Sunday night um, I know it's football season and all that kind of stuff, but uh, Rams aren't in it, and I know the Steelers aren't in it, so we'll see you here for sure Sunday night. <laughs> Kansas City and these guys. Yeah. But uh, it is. I do start watching football when the, the playoffs start. I watch the so – it's exciting then the rest of the time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, record it and uh, come on out here and, and hang out and, and – you know, learn if, you, if you're not at that point, like we, we had that exercise uh, a couple Sundays ago, just to invest together. What's that like? Um, you want to bring a dish? If you are serving, you want to bring a dish? Do something with your wife. Like, hey, let's do something together. Let's, let's invest in other people. And um, it's just something um, faith-building about that as well. As our stake and study is coming, uh, we know by the sign-ups right now, this is going to be one of those maxed out, you know, we max out the plates at 600. That's a big undertaking, you know, to <laughs> plate 600 hungry guys that don't want to wait. That's a miracle to do that, by the way. But uh, because of the, the hearts and the, just the guys that show up to, to help, we, you know, we were able to pull that off. We, it's looking like it's going that way. So get, do get signed up and all that. If you haven't, it'll, it'll, it'll fill up. Uh, but tonight we're, we're going to Again, um, I, I want to start our talks. We got tonight and one more, and then we'll take a break and come back to this book. But um, we are a Bible teaching church, and as you know, as you come around here, that's what we do, and we're never not going to do that. Um, but there are times that we bring in study books, uh, books that hit specific topics that we think are really important, and. Um, as we sit around and we talk, we're, we're, we're looking at you guys as Christians that are going to, your, your, your default is the word of God. You're going you're gonna to bring to the table um, what you're gleaning from the book, but you're always going to, you know, you're going to make sure that ties in with God's word, whatever God gives you. And we want we want to hear from everybody, um, but... This is uh, these topics that we are going through. We've been saying this, and we want to reiterate this as we talk about anything woke. Um, or all the terms in this book, a lot of them have been used in the realm of this is political. These are political topics. And you might be able to say that, but as Lutzer clearly defines, all of these topics that we're, we're, we're discussing uh, in his book um, um, have to do with ethics and morality and our faith as it relates to the Word of God. The Word of God speaks to all of these particular topics as well. And I actually thank God for brilliant minds like Ir Erwin Lutzer. I don't have that kind of mind that could really look at the, 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 the culture and things we're dealing with and even give a historical perspective to its origin and frame that in such a way where my little peanut brain gets it. I'm like, that was really good. I'm going to quote that someday, and big people think I came up with that. It was so good. But then 
to be able to bring it home and, and to bring some biblical perspective, that's what it's about. So we're trying to um, give you guys that opportunity to talk and to, to dialogue about this um, and to find balance. That's the key word. We want to find balance. We, wanna, we don't want to be the church that, that doesn't talk about this, the, the issues that are challenging our, our faith and our family and marriage and our freedom and, and the church, right? We don't want to not talk about that because someone's saying, oh, that's too political or something. Wait a minute. These things are dealing with my everyday life. These are biblical issues as well. So we don't want to be the church that doesn't talk about that. And we don't want to be the church that becomes emotionally charged about that. We want to be the church that Jesus bought with his own blood and we're spirit-filled now. We're redeemed and we're spirit-filled. And we want to have a spiritual, biblical response to what's happening and find that's balance, by the way. Um, what's happening in our world because it's affecting everyone in the workplace, in families, um, and in our, our church. So thank you guys for making the time to come out here and our online audience that be listening to listen as well. And if you're new here, uh, I don't know you all, but if you're new here, welcome and, and enjoy the conversation. And as we get up and share about the book, our, our goal here is not to bring a sermon. Um, our goal is really just to spend a few minutes with you, helping you um, highlight uh, in your minds the, the chapter that we're going through and to give some perspective and, um, and to give you some talking points at the table. That's what we're trying to do and, um, and, and give you enough time. So with that being said, I'm going to stop right here and um, we're going to have Gabe Hardigy come on up. Gabe, let's welcome up Gabe. Gabe is our, um, he's our Spanish pastor. So I'm going to translate tonight and it's going to go just... <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you for all these men, Lord. Thank you for your word that is uh, just such a privilege to be able to go through together, Lord. And we just pray that you fill this place with your spirit, Lord. Fill us. Fill, anoint my words, Lord. Anoint the conversations at the tables, Lord. May you bring clarity to us, Lord. May we leave more equipped than how we came in, Lord. So I just thank you so much for this evening. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so clean my glasses because they're all plugged up. Okay, chapter three. I was, I like how last week we ended with the reminder that the battles that we face are not physical, but they're spiritual. And so we were encouraged to take a stand spiritually, knowing who our enemy is knowing his tactics, his goal to devour us, to destroy us, uh, knowing that taking a stand involves being in prayer, uh, proclaiming the truth of the gospel, uh, not being conformed to this world, but being different and staying the course, being steadfast. With that being said, uh, we continue that mindset of this being spiritual, as Lance was just saying, um, with chapter 3, which in chapter 3, uh, Lutzer talks about something he called the great lie. He actually said, will we expose the greatest lie that is our nation's most cherished delusion? And uh, basically, that, that big lie is uh, our quest or the quest for godhood. 
Uh, he says, and I quote, our task as Christians is nothing less than proclaiming God's sovereignty over the sovereignty of the individual and a love for God rather than a love of self. He also talks about that the great lie as being self-love or self-worship. And of course, who did that begin with but with Satan, who is called in the Bible the father of lies. And uh, if you remember that he was once an angel by the name of Lucifer, and I'm going to read from Isaiah 14, where uh, a description of his falling, where it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mounts of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So we can see that pride, that arrogance, that absolute lack of humility as he said, I want to be like God. Convinced a lot of angels, but obviously we know how that ended. And since that didn't work out for Satan, well, then he tried it with Adam and Eve. So turn with me quickly to uh, Genesis 3. I just want to set a couple things up as quickly as I can. So... Genesis 3, we're in the garden there, and you can see uh, Satan's plot. If I can do it, I'm going to do it through God's creation, what God called good. And so he, the serpent encounters Eve, and he says, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate gave it to her husband as well. So here, now we see that, he, that Satan convinces Eve to reject God's plan, to reject God's instructions, and in essence, be her own God. You can be wise. You can make your own decisions. And Adam follows along. And I, I, I kept going back to the fact that they wanted to be wise. It was pleasant to the eyes of a tree desirable to make one wise. God, obviously, is the, the wise one giving out his instruction, his commands, but that wasn't good enough. They wanted to be, to be wise like God, just like Lucifer wanted to be wise like God. And when you want to be God, well, then that's, that's self-worship right there. We are following the devil's example. And I can see here some, some common variables talking about wisdom. In the Spanish ministry this year, we, we started with, uh, it's hard to get, sometimes during the week, it's hard to get these guys together because a lot of them live very far or work very odd hours Monday, or, uh, Monday through Saturday. So we started doing a, a devotional on our, through, our, through the YouVersion app, through the Bible app. And so, uh, and it went really well, and it was, it was about wisdom. 
Um, and so I kept seeing that wisdom was always connected with humility. God's wisdom connected with humility. I, Solomon in 1 Kings, uh, here he is succeeding his father David as king. And he said, but I'm a little child talking to God. I do not know how to go out or come in. You can see that, that humility just pouring through. I'm, I'm nobody, God. I, I, I'm imploring you for, for a discerning, understanding heart to, to, to judge your people. He was a seeker of, of God's wisdom. And that took real humility to, know, to say, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I need to trust your wisdom. But he who lacks humility, humility like Lucifer did, um, and refuses, he who lacks that refuses to come under the direction of God, the creator of the universe, and he establishes himself as God. And I think also Romans 1, when uh, we talk about, let's go there real fast, we talk about basically the, the, how man just fell, fell in his thinking when he abandoned the one true God. And just, just, I'll just run through a couple of verses real quick. In verse 18, chapter 1 of Romans, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And then it says in 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, so that they are without excuse. I'm jumping ahead a bit. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And then it talks about just their, their lust and their worship of idols and all these terrible things that came from that lack of humility. I don't need you or anyone to tell me what I can do. I want to be the ruler of my own destiny. Eve saw that Eve wanted to be wise as well. And this, it's a clear rejection of God as the head. We've been talking about that in, on Sunday mornings. God is the, is the head with his vision of the church. He's, Christ is the head of the church. But here's an obsession with self being head. And what happens when, when we're not humble and when we reject God as the head? Well, then we put ourselves in that position. And Lutzer calls it, and I quote, a humanity insisting it can exchange places with the Almighty. And that lie has permeated human existence since the fall of man. But in chapter 3, Luther spends quite a bit of time uh, pointing out how in contemporary society, this lie has really influenced the world. And, and he pointed out a few things that I'll briefly go over. He pointed out uh, the influence of Karl Marx, German philosopher. Karl Marx's philosophy was basically to put, or his goal was putting man in the place of God. More specifically, then, he, after that, he tried to make the state or the government God. He hated God. So he believed that everyone belonged to one of two groups. And I think we've talked briefly about this, oppressor and oppressed. The oppressor, in his uh, writings, being the, the, the elite class or the, the, the wealthy, the bourgeoisie, uh, the ruling class, and then the oppressed being the working class or the, what he called the proletariat. And the only way to stop this oppression would be to create a classless communist society 
through violent revolution, overthrowing the bourgeoisie. And then what would remain is that the state would take all the property and benevolently give it out equally to everybody, and then there'd be this big communist utopia. But what stood in the way of this for him? Religion. That he called religion the great oppressor, particularly Christianity, the nuclear family. And so Marx called for the dismantling of both of those things. And we see throughout the 19th and 20th centuries, movements would continue to attempt to eliminate God from our conversations, from our social and political structures, from our educational systems. And then he goes on with this leads to cultural Marxism, where you incrementally, little by little, which has been done, he says, very successfully in America, little by little, deconstructing the culture that we have. And then we have things like critical race theory, where everything's based on the color of your skin and your whiteness, and if you're not white, you're the oppressed, and, and all that that you've been hearing about, I'm sure. And then, of course, an attack on Christian culture, their, their views on family, gender, life, etc. He goes on there to talk about uh, Sigmund Freud and another way to, that God has been rejected and the, and, and the laws that God has established, the, rule, the, 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 the morals and ethics that laws established through sexual expression, he, how he attacked that. Freud was all for sexual liberation, complete sexual liberation. True freedom would be complete and total sexual freedom without any boundaries, without any criticism. And Christianity, of course, with its, its morals and with its biblical standards for marriage, for gender, for sex, would be the, the oppressor of the modern sex movement. So what's the goal there, again? The steady removal of Christianity from our culture. Because if Christianity is removed, well then, we're free. That's the great oppressor. And looking back at even my teaching career, I can see where that focus on me and focus on the self, even back when I started as a kid, basically, in my classroom, 22-year-old, and, and I was starting my first year, and there'd be so many projects, you know, I, I taught fourth grade at the time, all about me. Everything always about, and I, about halfway through the year, I'm like, why is, I mean, it was cool, you know, my favorite this, my favorite that, yeah, okay, no big deal, that's fine, but everything seemed to be about me in the classroom, about the kids and defining themselves and, and their self-esteem and how to boost their self-esteem. Well, let's fast forward 28 years. It's led to a culture now that insists on affirmation where, hey, you can't tell that kid that they're wrong, specifically about gender issues, about gender confusion. And we can see just the influence that Satan has had. I, um, I was shocked last year when I went into a... a a science class, and uh, it was my lunch period, and the science teacher, it wasn't their lunch period, so I went in there to borrow, to put something in her fridge, and I forgot that she had class, and so I stopped there watching a video, and the video, was, it was the sex ed curriculum, and it was uh, called the, the gender bread cookie, and uh, it, it started talking all about, you know, the different genders there are, and in, in, in intersex, and all these different things, and then, but, what got me at the 
towards the end of the seven minute video was the, the narrator saying, whatever you think you are, whatever gender you are, whatever this, whatever that you are, you can never be wrong about your gender because no one knows you better than yourself. And I was, I forgot where I was, and I just, oh, I said, that's ridiculous. And all these kids looked at me, and the teacher was like, and, but I was shocked, that, that, that statement. But really, I shouldn't be shocked. I shouldn't be shocked because this is what started way back when with a lack of humility, with a desire to be God, with the desire to make all of the rules. It's led to this, hey, if, if you have a lack of humility and you think you're self-wise, that leads to a very narcissistic personality. You're, you, everything it becomes about you. And that's, 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 a, that's what a narcissist is, someone who's obsessed with, with himself. Uh, and, and we see that in the LGBTQ movement, this narcissism, tolerate me, became, you must affirm me. I'm, you must affirm me, I'm fabulous, and you need to let me, celebrate me. If you don't, you're, you're a racist bigot, and, and we'll cancel you. That's, but you can see where that's gone. And it, it, that gets very discouraging, disheartening, like, Lord, how has this happened? But if we go back, and the chapter three does it so well, about to this great lie, to this great lie about self-worship, to this great lie uh, uh, about um, self-love and, and, and wanting to make ourselves God, it makes sense that this is what would come of it. But these are lies. Biblically, we know these are, these are lies. So, okay, this is where we're at with a bunch of lies before us. So what do we do about it? How do we combat the lies of the culture? What do you do with lies? Do you, ignore, we can ignore them. I don't believe that, so I'm just not gonna pay attention. Do we just decide not to believe them and go about our way? Uh, do we quietly reject them? Well, what do we find every time we read the Bible? We find truth. How do we combat lies? We combat lies with the truth and the truth of Jesus Christ. I love it. It's very timely. Um, we've been going through the same studies the last few weeks in our Spanish ministry that you guys have done Sunday morning with Pastor Lance because I, I, you could feel it's something big, something very important that everyone needs to be a part of and just God's vision for the church and, and, uh, and our place in that and our role. Uh, so timely with everything that's happening in our culture right now. But we have to fight lies with truth. And, and I always think of just Jesus' example. Jesus' example of truth. Let's go, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna briefly highlight a couple of passages and then give you guys time to really digest those and talk about them. So just a couple more minutes here. Go to John 6, please. John 6, 38. Jesus' words, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. How do you fight lies? Truth. Jesus is truth. What did Jesus come down for? To do the will of the Father. 
That should be our goal. Be imitators of Christ, emulate Christ. We want to do the will of the Father, just like Jesus, right? A uh, couple of chapters up, John 8, uh, verse 12. It says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What does light do? It exposes darkness. We have light. We are light. So we have truth. Truth will expose darkness. Uh, going on a couple verses uh, past that, I think it was 32. Uh, 31, 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my words, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Talking about oppressor and oppressed, we are free. We're free because we have the truth. And as we've been learning Sundays, we need to, God's vision for the church is for us to proclaim that truth. So we have an opportunity to be light and proclaim truth in a world full of lies that are outright now. It's very easy to see. A um, couple more. Ephesians 5. Some of these will be in your questions. You guys can go over after so you guys can have more time to talk about these. Um, Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Um, and, you know, it goes on, having, not having fellowship with the fruits of darkness, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Um, and then all of Ephesians 6, about the armor of God, right? So... We take the examples we have in the Bible, that's how we fight lies, okay? Sticking to what we know as truth, reminding each other, reminding ourselves what is truth. And then um, last, let me just read this in Philippians. Chapter 2. Verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Okay, I keep, just humility jumps out at me for even how, it's easy to get on, like Lance was talking about, just emotional, like, and really come against what's happening. But speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. Follow what we have learned and what we are learning, the example of Jesus, the humility of Jesus, the courage of Jesus and proclaiming the gospel, being united, being connected together. This is the, the, not the time for the church to be split up, but the church to be united together, proclaiming God's truth and being light in a very dark place. Amen. So I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. I want to give you guys some time to get into your groups and to discuss these things. You'll have some questions at your tables. Uh, so thank you and God bless you guys. 
big hello to our online audience. Welcome to our midweek service here at Calvary La Habra. Our panel discussion, we call these. And um, Gabe here, who... Uh, <clears throat> Thanks again, Gabe. That was very insightful. We were just talking. Maybe you even heard us uh, that, um, man, I think we're sharing our hearts. This is, um, it's right. It's necessary. We, we are not going to not stand. But there's, there's an intimidating factor to this because, you know, the, even in the body of Christ, there's so much pushback these days. Um, one side, people may be fearing, hey, we're getting too political, as I've been trying to address. These are biblical topics that might be framed in society as political, but uh, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't let what society labels these things, or even people in the church label these things as, um, that are also found in the Bible with different terms, and then keep us from, well, maybe we shouldn't venture into that. Um, I, I have been in the past guilty of uh, saying we've got to be careful not to, to, to bring politics into the church. And all I was trying to say is we're not on this planet for the advancement uh, of an earthly kingdom. <laughs> and it's to be caught up in that. But um, we do, uh, we're, as, as kingdom kids and representatives of the greater kingdom, we do live on this earth. And, um, and as we, I think it was Bonhoeffer made that, that quote, um, that to, to do nothing about the evil that we see is evil itself. And even as we talked about on Sunday, that um, we look at the world, and Paul um, described it as an evil day um, there in Ephesians 6, and what is morally reprehensible. And we talked about that as in the days of, um, of, uh, of a lot, in the days of Noah. And then he talks about, how we stand and withstand the devil. And so uh, it's not like we do that within our four walls here. There's, that's part of it, but it's living out our faith in, um, in the culture. So we are going through, as we talked about, a book that Erwin Lutzer wrote uh, called No Reason to Hide. And um, Gabe did a great job of breaking down chapter three. I did chapter one. And it is intimidating to hit this and, and uh, try and uh, bring it into layman's terms and get the body of Christ talking about. It. So the room in the back is filled up with guys you can't see it here around tables where they're discussing um, chapter three and the, the highlights that uh, Gabe brought. So um, with me to my, you know, Gabe, with me to my right is Jason Stead. He has been here for about three or four months. <laughs> Jason and I go way back. We're talking decades now and we, uh, talk about that. So, uh, Jay, why don't you say hello to the online audience? And Yeah, I mean, it's great to be here. I, I appreciate what um, we're doing with the book because we are to be leaders in society, right? And I think that if we don't step up, as Lance was saying earlier, we have to find that balance. Um, and as the author has been sharing with us, is that we have to do it with boldness, clarity, and courage. And I like what Gabe brought up this evening is that there's that other aspect of humility that we have to involve um, in the conversation because, um, you know, we're to be of the world uh, or in the world, but not of it. And I think that we have a voice, uh, much like I think Brian shared last week um, with Daniel, that they weren't willing to give up, although they were in slavery and captivity, they weren't willing to give up their culture, their religion, their identity 
um, or the truth that they lived by, um, even though the culture was trying to uh, encapsulate them. And I think that we're in that time where um, you know, the enemy, the world, um, society, media is just so aggressive in attempting to um, question God and his truth. Yes. Yeah, the three words, uh, as we look at what's happening in society, as they're pushing the narrative on culture, um, we're going to just say, he calls it the left, we'll just call it the godless part of society. On Sunday morning, we um, spend a lot of time looking at what the Bible says about the world, and not the planet or the population so much that makes up the world, but specifically um, the... The, the system that is opposed of Satan and demonic host that opposes God and in his word, everything he is for, everything he is against. Mm. And so we, we felt it was important to just walk through the word of God and understand what the Bible says to us as believers and how we're to view the world as we're living in planet Earth with others that have bought into the system. And... Even just a, a cursory read through that, it's like so sobering, you know, to not love the world, to not be conformed to the world, and, and, and to know what we're, we're to stand against is so, uh, so important. But what is, what's happened, and I believe everybody is in agreement with this in the church, is that the enemy has stepped up his game. And the strategies of the enemy are pretty glaring, pretty, wow, we see that, um, and it, it, it does go back to just challenging God. Um, I liked what um, Lutzer, you know, had to say about, uh, you know, a, a, a philosopher that lived on the planet whose philosophy still governs uh, countries, Marxism, that he wasn't an atheist. He just hated God. And he believed so much in God that he knew there were true followers that would challenge and oppose his ideology and his philosophy uh, of, of what we would see as communism or communism or socialism. And uh, obviously the church needs to be open to the comparisons of what we're seeing in our day today to that because it's, it's undeniable. Um, and we can maybe highlight um, some of that. So we feel it's important um, as we're going through this book, to, to recognize what, what is happening in the world as it's opposing God, um, opposing whether it's um, the, the person of God, just atheism, or um, um, being someone like Karl Marx that just hates God and everything he stands for because that flies in the face of, of me being God, of me being able to um, identify the identity that I want versus the identity that he gives me as a created being. And that's the, I think he did such a brilliant job of uh, bringing that out in chapter three. Um, as I read through it, I was like, wow, that's brilliant to go into the philosophy of, of Karl Marx. Um, man, it just makes so much sense. And it, and it goes back even you're in the public school. You just, if we can get Genesis 1 right, <laughs> In the beginning, God. Okay, if you can get that past that, right there. I believe that. What did he do? 
Well, he created. Well, what did he create? Everything that we see, and he created us. The crowning act of his, um, of his creation, human beings, in his image, in his likeness. Um, and, and, if, and if you can believe that, then it makes a whole lot of sense that at the core of all of this, that's being attacked. So if we can't remove someone's view of God for who he is as, well, he's real, he's always been the eternal God, okay, then let's attack what he's done. He didn't create. And so in comes along another philosophy. Uh, they teach as science, which is nothing close to science, called evolution. So we, we, okay, we've seen that down through the ages. Then what was the next thing God did? Well, he created man in his image. <laughs> he created marriage. What have we seen attacked? And the attack just seems to be, it's almost like going in chronological order through the Bible. <laughs> and, and, and so we sit back as the church and we're like, everybody's enlightened to how the enemy has accelerated his attacks. But now let's, as I said a couple of weeks, let's back up. Let's reassess what's going on, reassess who we are, let the Holy Spirit reset us, and let's engage. And I think that's, you know, the, the, the game plan of Satan really hasn't changed. From the beginning, destroy what God has called good, destroy what God has established, and he's definitely gotten more creative in how he wants to do it. And, and I, think, I think back even several years ago, it was... I don't know if you could say acceptable, but that's the wrong word. But many Christians thought, as long as I'm not participating in, in the, the, some of the, the things that I see going on that I know are wrong and some of the, the things coming out in, in um, that the government's doing or education or whatnot, I just avoid those things. I, I'm okay. Um, but it, now it's come to the it, – it's so in your face. You can, you can, it's not subtle anymore where – uh, when you were talking about um, not um, when you've been talking on Sundays about being connected, it really brought it home to me that isolation more more than ever we as Christians should can't be isolated. You know, uh, Proverbs eighteen talks about a man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire, and he rages against all judge, sound judgment. Mm -hmm. And so we now we have to be careful to to be connected. You you gave a, a great illustration. A few weeks back, of, of one of our, our members here, a Willie, who who got the kidney transplant, mm -hmm. and that he asked the the doctor, "When will my new kidney start to you know function?" <laughs> and the doctor said, "As soon as it's connected." <laughs> and that when we are connected to the body, we are, are we start functioning as God has has called us to function in the body of Christ, and and how important it is to be connected because this is a spiritual battle. And so we need to be prepared, and we can't do that We're as, as an island. So, very And in that metaphor of the body, we're connected to the head, yeah. which um, that, that, that speaks of supremacy, that speaks of authority, that speaks of he's the one that dictates how the body uh, is, is, is placed. He divinely places each one, but he is the, the functioning orchestrator. Um, and I think in the... In the church today, um, we we need to to redefine lordship and and headship and 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 really understand how important it is to see the word of God as as we talked about this last week, but is inspired and eternal and inerrant, and why it's supreme. When we were done talking last week, and uh, 
I, I, I it said to the, the guys who were here, I said, man, I'm so glad that we're in, um, in this part of the fight, that it's spiritual, we are the church, because it's not just our word. It's not the word or the position of a political party. It's the word and the position that we take under the king who created us. And we, we're giving, we're just passing on his word, which is supreme. It's above what any other philosophy, philosopher, what any other king, what any other ruler has ever said. Uh, and so um, the pushback is more intense, and I've been encouraging our church to think about, do you think God might want us to stand a little bit more with a little more intensity these days? I, I thought it was interesting that as Gabe was reading... Um, just that interaction between the serpent and um, Eve that, you know, the first thing that he says to her is, did God actually say this? Mm -hmm. And I wrote down um, here that, you know, the issue of, of God's authority and lordship, he was questioning God's word um, years ago, uh, gosh, it's got to be like 20 years ago, there was a, a large movement of ministries that were um, really pushing this idea. We've got to really know the inerrancy of God's word. And I was like, gosh, they're really pushing this thing. And it's, it's, it's coming to fruition now where we're seeing the enemy's first ploy of questioning the word of God then to question the character of God. Like, I, did he really say this? Well, she might have said, well, you did, actually. Well, but, do you know, like, I don't know if you can really trust him, you know. Um, and it's that whole thing, like, um, did God say and is God good? Um, one of the things I, uh, as you were talking, Lance, I was, was just thinking about as it continues on when um, it talks about how the fall happened and and. and I was reading something recently about uh, where was Adam when Eve uh, sinned? And he was standing like right there. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of the things that um, is so interesting about this cultural attack, and I, I think we're in a time where we realize it's the last days. We're not, um, as you mentioned, not uh, surprised. The scriptures say these are things that are going to happen. Um, but I think the challenge is, um, and Gabe, you would be able to speak into this more, is that this cultural avalanche or attack, I mean, it's on us as adults, but it's really on our children. And um, that's what makes it more and more scary. And I think that's why, um, you know, I do appreciate going through this book as men, because as men, you just talked about headship, leadership. I mean, we're to lead. And you're finding in these issues, men have taken the back seat. And as biblical men, we have to kind of re, reass, uh, reassess our roles in our homes, in the church, and, and stand up and play uh, that role of um, fighting for truth because it could cost our family. I mean, it, it, our, our kids could, if we just kind of, uh, whatever, not going to deal with those issues, put our head in the sand, whatever. I mean, that effect could have an effect on our children 20 years later mm -hmm. in their walk with God 
in how we stand for truth, and they're watching our example of, of, of just uh, being the face and the witness uh, for Jesus. Um, I was just thinking yeah, about when that. Yeah, when I think about the attack, you know, the, the enemy's so strategic. Um, I think uh, this chapter does a good job of, of the correlation between Marxism and just how the enemy attacks. And he's like, when it came to the advancement of Karl Marx's vision, it was, everything was for the good of the state. And so you were stripped of personal identity. And the nuclear family was attacked um, because there was, there, was, there was an identity there that stood unique uh, to any other family, any other people group in, in culture. And with that became the, the persuasion of parents over kids. And no, they didn't want that. They wanted complete loyalty and surrender of the state by the kids. So the parents needed to yield up um, their authority and, and just surrender, if you will, and fall in line for the good of the state. And so it wasn't just personal identity that was stripped, it was personal resources. And so you remove all basis for identity, even history, and, and any kind of um, uh, belief system that challenged uh, what is good for the state, that we're co-equals, which of course is never the case. <laughs> who's, who's, who's making all this up? Don't you think they're going to be above all this? Um, yeah. But, you know, communism and, and socialism, it's just, okay, we're all going to be equal. And, of course, the people that, that have intelligence and the people that are um, um, uh, capital venture, uh, uh, not, not capital, uh, what's the word? People that are um, entrepreneurs, that's the word, um, self-starters, um, the thinkers of the time, they need to be removed from the culture. And today, it might not be like physical removal of these people and pulling women out of a home, if you will, by force for what is good for the state and put them into the workforce of the state as communism did. But it's an ideology that's crept in. Nonetheless, women have been pulled out of the home. <laughs> Nonetheless, fathers are being threatened to surrender their convictions and their moral responsibility and everything else to their family uh, for maybe the sake of keeping their job. And then kids, uniquely, are by far, um, it seems like the enemy has uh, upped the number of demons and his strategy in attacking um, human beings in their formative, formative years. Uh, because, you know, uh, this culture knows. They might not know that the prince of the power of the air, uh, Satan is behind all of this, but he is. And he has empowered their agenda, their self-serving narcissistic agenda that says truth is whatever I make it out to be. Um, and they're not going to let anything stand in the way of that. And this is happening at a very uh, accelerated rate. It's, it's alarming. And many people in the church, I believe, um, see it, don't quite know how to identify it. But as you would say, aren't aren't pushing back maybe saying well i'm not physically participating in these things but that's where we go to those three words where he says we're either complacent which that would be not doing anything but i'm not going to do anything I'm not doing anything with them and i'm not going to do anything about them we can be complacent as the church 
or worse, cave in. And now we become complicit. Or we can be what we've been called to be as the body of Christ, as the army of God, courageous and make, um, make a stand. But let's talk about this. I think it's a good biblical um, point that needs to be made. Um, their argument falls apart if they taught people that they are born sinners with a sinful nature and intrinsically bad. <laughs> so their argument falls apart, right? Because they are good. They're good. And they have they've given themselves a right to discount God's ability to define morality, to define truth, to define what is right and wrong. So take God, his word, out of the equation, and you're now allowing society. There's always someone trying to, that's holding, the, there's always that puppeteer, if you will, pulling strings in a culture. But what, what's at the heart of this is they're empowering people to believe that they are intrinsically good, and thus, whatever they feel. It's all feelings-based. What a, what a great illustration to go into a class. What age group was that, by the way, that you referred to where they were the science class? And uh, it was seventh graders. Seventh graders. Yeah. Uh, that's what seventh graders need to hear. Yeah. Yeah, that's just lunacy. But, okay, so we, we, I, we, we would agree that's wrong to have that line of thinking, of course. So let's help our audience um, think through why is that wrong? And what does the Bible say about um, us in, in our, our fallen state? Well, the Bible tells us there's none righteous. <laughs> the Bible, uh, if we were righteous, there would, would have been no need for Jesus Christ to Great be point. that sacrifice and to come to this earth, live as a man, the sinless life, die on the cross for our sins. If we were good, it would have been ridiculous and a waste of his time. A waste, uh, a complete waste. But the Bible tells us how wicked we are. The Bible talks about how, um, it, when, uh, when men were not like in the time of the judges, were not following God, when the, the, everyone did what was right in their own eyes, their society was falling apart morally. They were morally bankrupt, and this is the result uh, of 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 a of a philosophy that tells you. Uh, we're okay. We can we can define our own rules. We 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 can and and, and then it gives access then to uh, as long as your your end result in your mind is good. You can. It doesn't matter what else you do to get to that good because everything is justified. But the but you know the Lord tells us how wicked we are, and uh, without Him. And so if we do not have a proper understanding of how much we need the Lord then uh, really we are opening ourselves up to all kinds of heresy. Yeah, absolutely. Narcissism is making yourself out to be God, giving yourself that, that right to be God. Jay, why don't you read for us uh, Romans 3. I think it's a great, if you're listening here, you're like, give me a scripture. Romans 3, 10 through 18. And I brought a couple thoughts on that. Yeah, as it is written... None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. 
They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So um, there's, there's four indictments there. That we, obviously, we're looking at this as God saying, hey, agree with me. <laughs> this, is how I, this is how I see fallen. Every one of us, of course, need to understand we're born into this world, sinners with sinful nature. And that's what um, part of the argument that Paul is making here in the book of Romans, he invites us into the throne room of God. He's like, hey, we got we to understand, in order to truly understand what God has done for us and sending his son, we got to understand why. And we're all, we're all guilty. So the first indictment is, is no one's righteous. And um, if you out there taking notes, Psalm 14, 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good or no one that is, is, is righteous. That's the idea. So second indictment is no one understands. And the idea behind that is man... Um, not, is, is not only universally corrupt or evil, but they're spiritually ignorant. Um, I was, I think, sharing with uh, the church, maybe Sunday, that sometimes we talk to people and we're like sharing our convictions, and it's just like, you believe that? <laughs> well, <laughs> my daughter Kelsey was recently just uh, talking to me about, you know, times in the past to help. I used to just get so frustrated when people just didn't see it the way I saw it. And I realized, no, they have, until they're born again, until they open up their heart to God, they have those spiritual blinders on. And that just tells us as we look at the world that's saying they don't believe in God or just denying uh, their need for him, that just proves that point. It just proves what Paul was saying. So good scripture for that, 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Their foolishness to him he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And then the third indictment there in verse 11 is that no one seeks God. Um, so we're universally depraved or evil or corrupt, spiritually ignorant, and then fallen man is rebellious. <laughs> and that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 13, God um, has given the absolute assurance that anyone who seeks him with his heart will find him. Uh, Matthew 7, 8, everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks it will be open. Um, the Lord knows that man is sinful, has sinful inclinations, and um, just isn't going to seek him, and he wants us to understand that. Um, a fourth indictment there was that men are naturally uh, wayward. Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah said, all of us are like sheep. We've gone astray. Each of us have turned his own way. Proverbs 8, 13, the way which seems right to him. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is, uh, is um, the way of death. Um, and, and, he, and he just goes on. And, but the idea is um, Christians are people who have come to God on his terms. I remember growing up in the church, and I would sit down, and I'd, I'd hear stories, Bible stories, and I'd be like, I don't know if I believe that. That's a, 
he like parted an ocean. You know, it's like you know, as a little kid, you're like, there's an innocence about that, but I want to believe that's a cool story. And then when I I began to Daniel and the lions did, and David and Goliath, I began to be drawn to the right side. I remember that. Well, I want to be Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want to be David. I I want to be. I want to be with those people that made it through the Red Sea, not the ones that got swallowed up by the Red Sea. And I just remember thinking as a younger guy, yeah, I want that. I want what my parents are. And then, of course, something sparked where I, I realized there was, you know, five or six years old, someone came in and was talking about salvation. And, and it, I'm like, I want that. You know, and I have my Bible that says, you know, the moment I, Debbie Bell, my Sunday school teacher and all that. And it's been a lifelong journey of that. I, we don't understand it all. But the more we read, our spiritual eyes have been opened, and we go, we want that. We want to be part of that group. We, and and to, to, to want to be part of that group, we're saying we want to be part of the redeemed. And in order to be part of the redeemed, we got to say we needed to be redeemed. <laughs> and it's okay to identify with what the Bible um, describes human beings in, 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 in our makeup, that we're fallen, that we're sinful. It's okay to identify with that. It, as you said, it's a humble thing to agree with God. And it's a very proud thing to not agree with God. But uh, I think that's important to understand that I would say society is... Um, greatly defined right now by people, you could put them in a couple of categories, people who realize what the Bible says, that they are depraved, that the heart is deceitful because the Bible says that, and that we're, we're evil and we're rebellious and we're unregenerated and, and, and we need help. We need, we need a Savior. Great point. Well, why would God have sent his son if that wasn't the case? For the whole world, right? It's interesting that, like, the very character of God is grace and mercy and love. And that's so attractive. You know, um, it's interesting uh, when you bring up the Old Testament guys like Daniel and David and Elijah. And, like, these guys were just ferocious, man. They just were <laughs> men of incredible conviction and boldness and courage. And... Um, I was thinking as you were talking is like that was before the Holy Spirit was given hmm. and we have that same uh, gift to be that type of a man of boldness and conviction um, one of the things you were talking last week Lance about was that um, the issues can get very weighty and very emotional. Mm-hmm. I know at our table the first week, they got pretty weighty and emotional. Stick <laughs> uh, matters in their own hands, man. Let's go. we got enough guys here. And we had to realize and remember that, um, you know, because in, in a way, we're all faced with these issues. Um, I was giving the example of, you know, when I go into Target or Starbucks, I'm face-to-face with transgender people, homosexual people. Um, you've got the, 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 the stickers or the pins of the rainbow and the BLM and this and that and so forth. And it can create um, 
quite an emotion in your spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And we were just reminded. It's grieving, that's for it, sure. It's yeah. grieving. Yeah. But then it can also kind of go past that if we don't yeah. watch ourselves. That's and the it balance. It can turn into anger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you made the... I mean, you made the point last week, I think it was, or the week prior, was that we have to remember that these people are, are souls, that they are also people made in God's image. And so um, there's opportunity there um, to, to, to be a witness. And um, I was just talking with a guy today, and it's like, if, we're, if we listen long enough, people will expose their heart. Mm-hmm. And then the gospel is just right there to be given. Um, and there's a reception because um, when you just pursue pleasure or you just pursue your own godlikeness, it's quite disappointing. You just, I mean, like Gabe, you were saying, like these people were doing things that were right in their own minds and in their own eyes, and it's like it was disaster. And um, I think people are coming to that. Some people are slowly coming to that conclusion as we have the opportunity to listen to them and then give the gospel of their need for Christ. And I think it could really awaken in us, it should, as we saw Jesus just days before his death, weeping over the masses of, of yeah. the unsaved, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. seeing them and, and knowing that they believed a lie. Mm. And, uh, you know, when we, people around us, just people on the street or people that we know, I think of some of my students who are very confused, it really can awaken, you know, it can, it can anger you, especially if you get a lot of pushback. Yeah. Or, but it can, if, I think if we have the right perspective and, and understand, as so many of these Old Testament heroes, how God fought for them, mm-hmm. that the battle is his. And we have an opportunity to, to, to pray, and when we do, we get God's compassionate heart. Yeah. I can't tell yeah. you how many yeah. students I've had yeah. in the past that it's good. I, I've had, we've had the pushback and all that. And through, through praying and, and really asking for a compassionate heart, mm. we struck common ground. And there's been some progress there. And even God being so merciful that we've been able to have relationships when they've graduated high school. And mm. some of them have come to this mm-hmm. church and yeah. been invited and, and you know, had an encounter with the Lord. And that, that, that blows me away. But it's easy to take the, another avenue, I think, if we're not spirit-filled. And, and that's what we have to remember, that this is, this is God's, God's the head, like we've been learning. He's the head, he's the victor, and we're on his team, so. Yeah. You know, um, just, just looking at this chapter, again, we got a couple of minutes here, but um, society demanding, um, we fall in line, and fall in line with what? We just talked about how uh, giving us the right, everybody has the right to say we're good, um, and that we, uh, we can create our own identity. Give us the right to say, um, I feel like a woman, so I'm a woman. That's not only not true, but society has has a standard now, and they're saying that morality, your morality is, is now perceived by us on how you interpret that. If you side with that, you're compassionate, you're understanding. You've, and if you're not, you're intolerant. 
you're, and the list goes on a bigot, you're, you know, all the way to a terrorist these days. So it's, it's, it's a lie has been perpetuated upon us, upon culture. And then to stand for the truth now wells up within them a list of lies of what you are. That's a lot for us to contend with. And then you, you take that, and as uh, he, he talked about, you, you now are um, supercharging these um, philosophies with a mixture of different, uh, like with Freud's philosophy on sexuality, that um, the highest, um, just what, what would he even say, like the highest, almost like the most driving, compelling part of us is our sex drive. And so that needs to be unleashed with no license. And thus, to take what's going on and combine that with the Marxist ideology, um, the new identity, the new utopia, and now to empower people with that ideology that you're driven by sexual appetite. And, and that is open to be defined by about a thousand different pronouns. Um, that is that is a very confusing world that they have created, and the danger of this is, as as he says, they've taken Marxism and, and Freudism and they've they've supercharged it by politicizing it. That's why you see um, an administration right now highlighting a transgender lifestyle and trying to equate that as a civil matter, a civil right matter. And, uh, um, and just so, to, to me, that was probably one of the more grievous uh, days of last year um, to, to, to see a president and his administration um, not just buying into this but promoting it um, upon um, society. That was a, a grievous day for me. I prayed for him. I prayed for um, that person that he had that was highlighting them. Um, but, but all of that to say, it's an intense battle and it's, it's found its way into every part of our culture from the Walmart to the Home Depot to our own neighborhoods. Um, and we need to be informed. Um, we do need balance. We need the heart of God. Uh, but we need, we need to remember who we are and we need to help people understand who they are in the image of God and what the nuclear family is in the image of God, and how important that is, and what we've been talking about. If you haven't um, tuned in on Sunday mornings the last three weeks, just who we are as the church, what is the church, uh, who are we as the church, and last week, what do we stand for amongst ourselves and then um, in the world um, as well. Um, but I would encourage you, if you do not have this book, it's just for men, women as well. Um, no reason to hide her when Lutzer... Great, great, great um, read. I, I, I believe he has um, eloquently, um, historically, scientifically broken down what we're seeing uh, play out in our culture right now through um, what we would define as, as a woke um, agenda. Um, and it is, uh, it is really networked. What the enemy has done, I've not seen it to this extent before, really networked together many... Um, errant philosophies and movements um, working in conjunction all for 
um, the same confusing purposes and goals, very destructive goals, and how the church, I think you said it, it, it hit me, I sit in the back, and I had a big old smile, because you, you're like, man, if there's ever a time the church needs to come together, it is now. So, closing words? Gabe, please. <laughs> I was just thinking about what you were saying, and then you caught me off guard for a moment. No, I just, you know, to piggyback off what Lance is saying, I just, more than ever, we need to find our identity in Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And as we see, even from Adam and Eve, when, when Serpent threw in that, that doubt, and, and the, the, like you said, did God really say that? You know, no, that's not true. And casting him as a liar leaving them open to find their identity in something else, and in, namely in themselves at that moment. But when our identity is not in Christ, we can be so susceptible because if, as, as people and as, as, as fallen people, we're sinners. And so we're going to find our identity in something. Yes. And I encourage online audience to find your identity in Christ, mm -hmm. in the truth, and to maintain it through his word, through fellowship with others, through being connected in the body, and just uh, through service um, to, uh, unto others. You know, those things are going to uh, energize your faith and, and really bring you, you know, because the end result is you will have peace with God. Yeah. Whatever's happening around you, the craziness of this world, we have peace. You know, we have peace with God. I can sleep at night. There, there may be worries and troubles, but at the end of the day, I can rest knowing that the Lord is in control. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think we were um, just continually reminded over the last few weeks that the importance of just the simple basics of being in the Word and knowing God through His Word. Um, you know, if we we know who God is and we know who we have uh, been made to be. Um, those two truths cover a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one thing I think that you made a good point in the beginning is that we're, we're looking at some of these issues, but the, the reality, uh, the central issue is that the culture is trying to, to, to remove the worship and the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And um, we have to fight for that. We have to fight for that, you know, because, um, you know, we are His witnesses. And um, we can do that through love and through grace and through the sharing of truth. And um, it starts with us um, personally having a relationship with this book and a relationship with the author of this book. And um, we don't want to get caught off guard. Yeah, I'd like to close with the idea, <clears throat> the word contentment. Um, we will never be more content than the time, the season, the day we rest in what God has created us to be. And when we become discontent, we've uh, oftentimes lose sight of what that is and the identity that he's given us as men, as husbands, as fathers, as his, as his bride, as the church. Um, and the world is there to throw a, what, what identity you want, anything other than what God and so where that leads, if you see someone claiming to be other something other than what God has um, created them to be, and it's obvious these days, um, whether it's gender, 
um, sexual orientation, sexual preference, all of those things, um, just know that that does not lead to contentment. And, uh, and, and if that's you and you're struggling with that, understand you're, you're not content. You might think that trying to buy into and be, be accepted by the fallen nature and fallen people in a culture is where contentment lies. It doesn't. That's a lie. Contentment comes from God. Contentment comes from uh, embracing what he's made you to be as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, and just trusting in him and, and, and growing in that contentment. Um, just want to encourage you, if you're struggling, we're here as well. You can call us uh, anytime at our church office. Everything's online. But um, it's getting late. Uh, guys are getting ready to leave, so we got to close this out. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this night and these guys and our online audience. Bless them. If um, anyone is uh, listening that doesn't know you, uh, we pray that even right now um, they would recognize you. Well, first they'd recognize themselves as a sinner, as your word says in Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fall short of your glory. Um, but if they're at that point where they want you to save them, if that's you, just call out to him right now and, and tell him, and I agree with you. I am a sinner, and I ask you to save me and come into my life and fill me with uh, your spirit. And for any out there, Lord, that has prayed that prayer, we pray that um, they'd reach out to us as well, and we could help them through their faith journey and um, continue to be with our online audience. Bless them, Lord, and their homes, wherever they might hear this, wherever they might listen to this. Um, we thank you, and we, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you guys.